Welcome to My Baddie Can Read. We're your new favorite baddies, Yanni and Nika. Our podcast is like a book club where we and our guests strip back the layers of different books. Discussing the stories, themes, and lessons they contain. From inspiring memoirs to intriguing mysteries. We'll explore all kinds of genres. So get ready for laughter, insights, and a deeper appreciation of the written word. Get in baddies. We're going reading. Hey baddies, welcome to meeting three. On today's meeting, we are discussing the final half of The Other Black Girl. Yes, this week we wrapped up reading The Other Black Girl. This was a read right here, y'all. Mm-hmm. So we're going to just talk about the remainder of the book, answer some book club questions, um, as well as, you know, give our thoughts. Um, give a recap of the book. Just tell what we thought about it. And yeah, let's yeah. get started. Right. So, Yanni, you want to start with the synopsis where we left off? So the first meeting, we stopped halfway. Oh, and obviously, guys, there are going to be spoilers here. Mm-hmm. Um. So when we left off, where do we leave off, Mika? We left off. Hold on. I could tell you. I have my notes. <laughs> so we left off um, right after we meet Shawnee. Or is it Shani? I want to say Shani. Shani, right? Mm-hmm. So we meet her. And this is when Vera and Hazel are hanging tough, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty much kind of where we left off. And we we find out about the resistance. Yes. So mm-hmm. the resistance is like this secret organization that's basically fighting against the antagonist group, the other black girls, which is basically the group of black women who are using none other than <laughs> a hair care product, some grease and leave-in conditioners to hypnotize, I guess, it's normal Black girls? Yeah, I guess it's like hypnotize. It's, it's like, it's giving undercover brother, y'all. They are making these Black girls Shuck and jive for the white man. Um, yeah, so now mind you, you know, um Nella was being left these notes saying like leave Wagner, you know, leave now, it's gonna be worse. And she's trying to figure out, okay, who are these notes coming from? Mm-hmm. It turns out they're coming from an older woman named Pam who's working in the mailroom and she is leaving the notes to Nella for the resistance. She's trying to warn Nella. Like she's she's the messenger for the resistance. And the to- last note actually that Nella receives has a phone number on it. 
And Nella calls it and leaves a message crying. Yes, she's just crazy. <laughs> <laughs> These people are really effing with her mind. Mm-hmm. So, um, we find out that, like, basically, the other black girls, they're led by Diana Gordon and another one of Kendra Ray Phillips' previous friends. And Kendra Ray Phillips is, you know, the author. She was best friends with Diana Gordon. They were like this author, editor, duo, dynamic duo during the 80s. Um, and they wrote the fictional, the fiction within a fiction book, Burning Heart. Um, that was just a bestseller. It was um, an excellent work of art. Um, and basically, Diana turned on her. Diana, she's sleeping with this man, Richard Wagner. She's the CEO of, of Wagner. <laughs> she's turning on Kendra Ray Phyllis because she's like drinking the Kool-Aid. She's like, I just literally putting the grease on her scalp, I guess. I just want to get along to get along. Like, I don't have time for all the pro-blackness and fighting on the job and, you know, fighting the power. I just want to go with the flow and just get this money. And that's that. It's literally like the crabs in a barrel mentality. It's like, I got to get on top by any means necessary. So if it's Mm -hmm. kicking a fellow black girl's back end, then I'm going to do that. Mm -hmm. And we find out that Shawnee, you know, she was also a victim of Hazel. Hazel is not this girl's real name. Hazel, um, Hazel Mae McCall is not a real person. She was um, formerly known as Eva, living in Boston. And the same thing that she's doing to Nella, playing these mind games with her, tricking her, giving the um, the hair grease with the, you know, the little... Juju in it. Yes. <laughs> Roots. <laughs> she did the same thing to Shawnee. Um, and it's Lynn, the leader of the resistance, who gets Shawnee to come to New York and I guess kind of redeem herself by helping to take the OBGs down. Um, so Shawnee is about to, at one point in the story, Shawnee is about to reveal everything to Nella. Like she's about to meet up with Nella, let her know what's going down, kind of take matters into her own hands. She's going rogue on resistance because I guess she feels like, all right, they're taking too long. Dragging their feet. <laughs> yes. With good reason. As we find out in the end. <laughs> mm-hmm. She's like, we're about to blow the spot up. But then Lynn lets Shawnee know, okay, no, you're on your own now because you know, went against the grain. And, you know, the other black girls, what we, I mean, did you get that, Nika, that it was the other black girls that kidnapped Shawnee? Yes, it was the other black girls okay. I think that snatched her up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that snatched her up. Um, kid after on the street. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. So basically, as the book goes along further, one way that Nella decides, like the way she's finally going to fight back with the help of with the advice of her best friend Malika, is no. Wait a minute. Pause. Nella goes to a hair care party. That Hazel invites her to. She meets some of the other OBGs. And she goes snooping around and finds like a book that shows that, okay, these people have bios of us. Um, They're writing down notes about how easy it's going to be to turn the, um, what do they call them? Like the involuntary 
other black girls, like mm-hmm. who they feel like had the potential to become Auntie Toms. Um, <laughs> just a little more hair grease and guidance. <laughs> <laughs> um, they have like bios like, oh, it's gonna be easy to turn this person. Um, so she finds that. And so, you know, she lets Malika know about it. Malika, shout out to Malika. That girl, she was not drinking the Kool-Aid. She's like, uh, mm-hmm. y'all ain't put a shit in my hair. I don't want to hang out with y'all. Y'all are weird. Shout out to her. I would love she even knew it was stuff in the product. She was right. like, I don't, I don't do the extra products. Exactly. You could braid my hair, but don't put nothing in it. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, with Malika's advice, she decides to reach out to the pro-black activist Jesse. Watson is his name. Jesse Watson is his name in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, she wants to reach out to him about writing a book, and she feels like her final out is going to be if I can expose them to Jesse, get with him, we can become like that powerful author editor dynamic duo, the same way Kendra Ray Phillips and Diana Gordon were. Like, we can expose them, it's going to be great. You know, this is going to be my big break. I don't need this place anymore, but. Ambition gets to the best of her. Mm-hmm. Um, she was using the grease too. The be- yes, she was using the grease. So she was throughout the book. She was having some struggles uh, with these thoughts, like, and she even realizes that later, where it's like, oh my gosh, like I haven't been paying attention to what's been going on in the news. Like I haven't been, you know, I haven't been aware of how the black people around me are being discriminated against because she is drinking the Kool-Aid too. Like she's ignoring her values as a black woman in favor of just talking about her job. How can she excel at work? How can she beat Hazel? Mm -hmm. Um, And so Hazel catches her in the bathroom. She like lets her know, like, I know, you know what I'm up to, but you can't fight it because you want this. Like Mm -hmm. we're, we're one in the same at this point. And even though Nella had used some of the grease, she didn't use that much. So she kind of has this revelation of like, wow, I haven't been using the grease. So really, without the juju, I'm already I already have some of this in me. Right. Um, Which so- the resistance already had on their mind before. Exactly. And so forward, um, you know, Hazel basically gives her a choice. Like, I can set it up for you to be the HBIC somewhere else. But, you know, I'm, I'm wearing their books. This is on me. Um, there can only be one head, head black bitch in charge. <laughs> um, and that's going to be me. And so Nella ends up working at, she, the end of the book, she gets a job with a popular magazine. And lo and behold, who's working there? Shawnee, who's about to break this expose about the other black girls and the resistance. And then her senior editor is like randomly fired. No, she's promoted mm-hmm. onto greener pastures. And here comes Nella. In walks in Nella without her natural fro with a relaxed yes. <laughs> <laughs> Bone straight pop. No Bone straight pop. <laughs> White man still by her side, <laughs> um, ready to be on her best OBG bullshit. Like, mm-hmm. what's going on here? You can tell me. I'm, I'm down. I'm down with you. 
And so, so yeah, that's ruined her life twice, pretty much. <laughs> um, this book, I mean, what are your initial thoughts about the book? Like, even before we get into the questions, the book club discussion, um, just what did you think? Like, okay, so I like the book. Um, initially, I was a little thrown off by, um you know, all the reviews saying like thrilling and thriller. And so when I started the, the prologue was like, okay, this could be a thriller, you know, she's mm-hmm. running looking over her shoulder, but as you read it, it's giving more like a dark satire than mm-hmm. thriller. Do you, like, do you get thriller? I agree. So that would be the only thing that I would say that I didn't like because I, I love thrillers. So when I think mm-hmm. this novel, yes, we're going to read this. Oh, it's a black girl thriller too. Mm-hmm. And then I'm just like, it's giving almost like a, like a, a dark parody almost, you know? Yeah. So that's my only thing, but I like it. You know, it was, I, I had a giggle a couple times. It was things in here that was very relatable. And it honestly made me think about a lot of stuff too. So what do you think? So um, I definitely agree with the like, I'm, it's not, I don't know, thriller is the word to call it. So I, I agree with that. Um, some of my initial thoughts were just like, Nella and Malika, the mm-hmm. differences between them, like, mm-hmm. It was very funny to me. I like how the author really acknowledged the hypocrisy and like personalities like Nella. Yeah. Because I remember towards the beginning of the book when Nella was like, Yeah, when I'll um when I'll text Malika, you know, about certain, you know, like issues that come up like within the black community. And like if if Malika would make a response like, I mean, well, hey, they're getting paid that much money, you know, that's yeah. not something I would really, I guess, go out on a limb about. Like, that's not an issue. I would just, I'm not willing to down the hill for X, Y, Z cause. Right. Like, it's not that, this is not that deep to me. And like, hey, Nella was like, oh, I'm, I'm side-eyeing her, like, basically judging her, like, oh, you need to be, I guess, more down for the cause. But it's like, Look how easy it was for the other black girls to turn to you. Mm-hmm. So it's like some people hide behind that radicalism because I think they know deep down Girl, that it's they really do have those those thoughts, like those Uncle Tom thoughts. Are like mm-hmm. deep down, I really do just want to be like f it all. I want to live a colorblind life. I don't want to feel like I owe black people anything. I, and I don't want to fight this fight because it is a fight and you got to mm-hmm. be right. Yes. And like, I'm just tired of it. And this, I remember in one of, in my humanities class at Hampson University, um, yeah, I went to an HBCU and my HBCU, um, <laughs> <laughs> I was, <laughs> are you Because I said, please. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Go ahead. <laughs> Like, <laughs> but no, but I had a classmate, and so we would have like discussions about just like history and like you know, like togetherness that we feel like black people should have. And she just went off and she was like, I don't owe black people anything. 
Ooh. And it was just very shocking to hear that, like, oh, on an HBCU campus? Okay. But she just felt like, oh, I don't owe Black people anything. Why do I have to live my life like I have to represent all of my ancestors or I have to, um, I guess, feel a connection to other Black people just because we're the same race? Mm-hmm. Um, and she, yeah, she got a lot of side eyes for that. Rightfully mm-hmm. so, in my opinion, because I mean, you, nobody's telling you to give a scholarship to every graduating black student that you meet, mm-hmm. but it's disrespectful to say you don't acknowledge or you don't feel like you owe anything to those who paved the way for you. Because what if what if they said that? Like I don't care about the future generations behind me. I'm just gonna continue right. to probably gonna be sitting there. Exactly. Um but yeah, but I mean that when I thought about her though, even though not many people in the gra- nobody in the class would really agree with her, it is true that some people probably had those thoughts like, oh, why do I have to carry this carry this burden? Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, it's important to note that we didn't give the burden to ourselves, like right. colonizers, imperialism and capitalism, elitism did all of that for us. Um, but the best we can do with the way society is, is to be united with each other and just, you know, try to help each other. And even if you don't always reach your hand back don't pull anybody down though like the way he's right you don't gotta kick nobody's back in to make it like oh gosh it's enough space for all of us Mm -hmm. we don't have to be scared that no one's going to succeed you know because there's another successful person Mm -hmm. and so i mean but when people decide like uh i don't really care like I just want to live my life. I just want to be colorblind. I don't want to. I don't want to live my life as a black woman. I just want to be a woman. I, mm-hmm. Do you pass judgment on those kind of people? Like, mm. um, honestly, yeah. Like, I try not to because I'm like, it's you know, there's not one type of black person. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, everybody has their own mindset. We're not just one type of person, but. It's also, it's kind of like offensive to me. So maybe that's why I judge because it's just like, well, what do you mean? You know, like, why why are you trying to like disassociate? Like, what, what is that about? But maybe because I'm just taking it personal, you know? So mm-hmm. I, if I, and at the school I went to, I did meet some of those. Um, I just kind of stay away from people like that, you know? Mm-hmm. They, <laughs> they try to assimilate to to a different culture, you know, they want to get rid of anything that makes them black, like anything, any type of characteristic that is assumed to be a black characteristic. They don't know about it. Any type of slang word you try to use around them. It, I don't know what that means. You know, it's just like, it's just kind of offensive sometimes. So I just try to stay away from people like that. So I won't feel no type of way. Do it make you feel like boy? <laughs> I just feel like as a black person, if you are, if you really consider yourself like colorblind, it means you are ignoring things that affect you every day. Mm-hmm. There's no way to get around it. 
Mm-hmm. And that come from a certain economic status too, because it's like they think that their money kind of rid them of this like stigma or whatever. And it's just like, okay, girl. <laughs> okay, so what was your favorite part of the book? Um, hmm. I think that my favorite part, and not just because it was good, it was it just confirmed what I was thinking. Um. Was was when um when Diana, the author of the Burning Heart book, that's the the fiction within the fiction. She when her and the other friend were talking about the grease, because I'm like, okay, like you know what I'm saying. Like now it's just confirmed everything what I was thinking. As we read, um, we usually send each other like voice notes, and we kind of like predict what's going on. But since we started this. I haven't been doing it because I kind of want to reserve the conversation for when we come and talk to like all of y'all. So I've been having my little mental guesses and I'm like, yeah, see, I knew it. I knew it. And like, and that was like my favorite part just because it confirmed mm-hmm. what I was thinking. And then also um, one of my other fa- favorite parts, it was just funny to me was when Jesse Watson came in for the meeting and Nella had said, <laughs> Nella had said, like, oh, yeah, we need to spread out because, you know, what they think we all kind of group together. And she tried to give a funny joke and he was not with it. I bust out laughing because I'm like, oh, my God, he's he is with the OBGs. So I thought it was that she tried to make a little black joke with him and he did not like budge. He was not. He didn't think that shit was funny. Nothing. He looked at her and he was silent. Mm-hmm. Like, girl, what are you talking about? <laughs> what is your favorite part? My favorite part of the book is probably when at the hair party, when Malika just would not, when Malika would just throw in the play and she would not take the grease because I was, she was being so shady. That was funny. Um, that's the one part where I was like sweating. I'm like, Malika, please, not you too. Please do not take this grease. Like, don't know. Just leave Malika alone. Nella, Malika from the beginning. I, I wasn't convinced. I wasn't convinced that she was with that stuff. <laughs> I was like, please. And I guess like just overall the fact that Malika was just like she was cool. Mm. Um, and I think that's another thing like to the point I was making earlier about like Nella, you judged Malika because you felt like you didn't like basically you didn't like her honesty about the lengths that she was willing to go for, I guess, to suck it to suck it to the man, I guess. And it's just like Malika was real, like she was balanced and she was real. And it's just like you were fake. So you did all of that for what? Like just to become what you acted like you hated so much. Um, I, I feel differently about that. I'm gonna let you finish. No, I'm just done. Go ahead. What are we gonna say? I I don't think that she hated the other black girls so much. I don't think Nella really had a problem with, even though she did all the diversity stuff. You know, she was doing all the diversity initiatives at work, and she was standing for every cause. Um. Side note, I feel like a lot of people in interracial, well, a lot of black women in interracial relationships, I feel like they do that because the black men, they don't really, you know, but I feel like a lot of black women in interracial relationships, they become like very, very pro-black 
Do you feel the same way? I do. So um, I don't feel, I feel like that was more performative than anything. I don't really feel like she had an issue with them not standing for certain causes and stuff like that. I think her real problem came down to just competition and she was just jealous. Mm -hmm. So um, with, with Nella, success meant more to her than anything, not being black, being pro-black, standing for what was right. Um, none of that meant more to her as much as success meant. Every time something happened, she was upset about it looking a certain way to Vera or to Wagner. Like, you know, it wasn't because, you know, my mom will look at this a certain way or Malika will feel it was because Nella wants to be an uh, editor, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so she put that over anything. And so at the end of the day, like I wasn't shocked when she switched sides. When she was in a bathroom thinking about it, it's no way that after I figure out what that girl then did to me and gave me some grease with some voodoo or stuff in it, and she come in with me and we are alone together that I'm not cussing her out. You know, she listened to her. She listened on what um, Hazel's explanation and gave her time to explain herself. She gave her too much time. So from that point on, I was like, she's with it. To her, success means more. And so forget anything else. I'm going to do what I got to do to be on top. Mm-hmm. She was very annoying with how she's just like things that I would have felt like you were dismissed goodbye. You're still engaging in it. Like, yeah, thanks to her justifications. You know, this girl was being shady. Like what she did to you had nothing to do with code switching. Like she targeted you. And she was so pressed to be like up under her, even after the whole switching sides with just the book. So the first incident, I'm done. Hands clean. You know what I'm saying? Hi and bye. That's it. Mm -hmm. We're not doing lunches. I'm not trying to go see all events outside of work. You know what I'm saying? But you know what? She broke that. To She tried to act like she wanted to go to confront her. She wanted to go because the CEO was going to be there. So to, exactly. again, it was about success. You know, it's not about anything else. Girl, you switched up on me about this character in the book. You made this big deal about this character. But at the end of the day, you were so nervous and you couldn't even think of talking points because it probably didn't really ring true to you. You know what I'm saying? Like when you went to go confront him, you couldn't think of nothing of why this really, you know, wouldn't sit well with the black audience because it really didn't matter to you. You were looking for something. Why did it bother you? You know? Mm -hmm. And then I started thinking like every book she read for Vera bothered her. Like she can't get through it. So that's not nothing new. Right. One of the most confusing parts of the book to me, though, is if Shawnee was put into that car by the OBGs, Mm -hmm. what did she do to, I guess, make herself a normal Black girl again? Because if she was willing to drop the expose article about the OBGs, what made her... Like, if they kidnap you, wouldn't they have been forcing grease into your hair? (laughs) Remember in the beginning of the book when she said she had to shave her head and she told her mom understood? I think she did that again. Like, she knows how to fix it at this point. That makes sense. And I believe it described her hair as, like, still short when she was at the new magazine or newspaper, was it? Um, Magazine. Yep. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that she like, you know, and and most of them, how they were describing it is once they're into the program with the OBGs, they're with it. So it's like now they're voluntarily keep using the grease, you know, Mm -hmm. and so with Shawnee with always being like resistant. So 
she's not using it no more and she can cut her hair off. Do you have any favorite quotes from the book? Um, I don't let I'll come back to me. What are your favorite quotes? I have one that I just and it wasn't, I just thought it was a cool quote. I thought it was mm-hmm. a little cute little monologue. Um, and the final, well, the second to last chapter when Hazel and Ella are in the bathroom. And um, she's like, you had to wear the right mentality. You had to live the mentality. Be everyone's best friends. Be sassy. Be confident, but also be deferential. Be spiritual, but also be down to earth. Be woke, but still keep some of that sleep in your eyes, too. Right. And I feel like that um, translate in like being the, I guess, minority Black person um, in a predominantly white environment but also just I feel like in whether well if you're any minority like that applies with ableism um and like sexism ageism like just in this capitalist country that we live in it's like wear the mask I guess yeah and it's just like describing like the double dutch and pretty much that we have to do when we go into you know any setting that's not like something of comfort to us, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I do have one. Um, it's from the excerpt when they're, um, when they're first introducing Jesse Watson to us. So mm-hmm. it's one of his like things that he was, he was saying. And it says, if we're not careful, diversity might become an item. People start checking off a list and nothing more. A shallow mm-hmm. shadowy thing with one dimension. And, um, Hello, everybody. We're here today. <laughs> Hello. Yeah, like that's just all it is. Like, and so that made me, you know, I was like, dang, like, yeah, how do we fix that? You know, like a lot of people are just like, we need, we need visibility. We need visibility. Like people need to see. And it's just like, it's more than just throwing us as a cameo and a commercial and a TV show. It's more to it than that. We sh- it shouldn't be a thought that you had to think of us. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like you don't have any thought to think of the others. It shouldn't be a thought to think of us. Like, oh, we have to add one of them to this. We have to put one of them in this. You don't think of that when you just making a rom-com, you know, like. Right. So that's that's my little favorite one because it, it, it left me thinking like, oh, mm-hmm. what a world we live in. Yeah. So let's get into the book club questions. Yes. So like most of the books these days, they give us a lot of questions in the back, which are very helpful. Good talking points. I love them. I actually, before we started this, I would read them sometimes. So. Yes. In IRL, we love talking about book club questions. Yes. <laughs> Some baddie nerds. Yes. <laughs> um. Okay. One. Yeah, the first one. Why do you think the author set this novel in the book publishing industry? How would the story unfold in another setting? How would it be similar or different? So I'll take a step at that one first. Mm-hmm. I think that the author set this novel in the book publishing industry because it's one of the more prestigious industries. Um, and I think just with, you know, reading and literature in general, you can shape a lot 
of society's beliefs. Like Mm -hmm. you can do that with literature in a way that you don't really do it in TV and film. Um, I feel like literature and theater, they're held to like a higher regard mm-hmm. um, than TV and film. So, yeah, I think that's why I was set in the um, book publishing industry. And also, um, just going into the next question, how would the story unfold in another setting? Like TV and film, optics plays such an important role that it's it's easier to increase diversity there because it's like you see it, you're looking at it as opposed to literature where you have to you have to make the make the words come alive. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So. Let I guess in, in another um, I don't know if that if that racism component would have been as strong um, in literature because you could be you it's a little it's a little sillier when you get into TV and film, mm-hmm. and it's it's more you know serious and conservative in, in literature. But what do you think? Um, I agree with um some of your points. Like, um, I believe you pick establishing industry because it's honestly an industry that a lot of people overlook. But like you said, it had it holds so much control, right? These are people who are deciding what is printed and what we get to read. Like, and it's to me, like books are so powerful because, you know, every, everyone always says, if you want to learn something, pick up a book, read a book, you know, like that's always the answer to everything. Go find it in a book, look it up. And there are people who literally decide what goes into a book, you know? So I, I feel like she picked it because of its power. Um, I think the story honestly would unfold the same way in any other industry. Like, like let's take these two characters, pluck them out of this office and put them in in an accounting firm. It plays out the same way. Somebody backstabbing you about an idea that you have, you know, or something that you, you confided in them about like a racist coworker or something. And it, it plays out the same way to me. I feel like this story can be played out in any other industry you put it in. Okay, so the next question is, recalling Colin Franklin's novel, Needles and Pins, have you ever read a book that was problematic? What was the title and what made it problematic? Why do you think it was able to get published? And was Nella right about confronting Calling about the stereotypes and needles and pins, and you can you can answer that one first, Nika. So um, I try to like really think about any books that kind of rub me the wrong way, but honestly, because I do it so much for leisure, um, I can't really think of a book that has something in it that I was like, "Why would you print this?" You know, like. Um, so unless I'm missing something and you have one that I've actually read, then I honestly can't think of anything right now. But um, I think that it was able to get published in things that are problematic because I know people read stuff that is problematic, but I haven't picked anything that I think I can think of right now that is. 
but it just gets pushed and it gets published because there are people who don't do diversity reads. There are people who don't hire diverse crowds. And I'm not just talking about skin color. I'm talking about different socioeconomic status. I'm talking about different religions. I'm talking about different sexualities, everything. And it can all be offensive to someone if you're not getting those sensitivity reads. And just like they try to do with needles and pins, they try to just push it under the rug. You know, like Nella had Nella had something that to get off her shoulder. They found everyone else to go against what she said just so they can get a book out. What do you think? Yeah. Oh, and I think I think that she was right to confront him, but I feel like that Nella should have came correct. She was scared, and it's just like if you're gonna confront somebody about something, you need to stand on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I on business. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I can't think of any books that I've read in the past that, um, like, had negative stereotypes about Black people. Um, And I agree with her for calling him out on it. Like, especially, like, the language. Mm -hmm. You, like, that this is a book from what, the actual book was published 20, 19, 2020? So, 2018 or 2019, one of those, yeah. Okay, 20, I think it was character and it's not like <laughs> you know like why are you doing that at this point <laughs> exactly um so i think she definitely should have pointed it out um i don't fault her for doing that good for her with her fake self mm, with her fake self <laughs> at one point in the story did you feel suspicious of hazel what made her more likable to the people in the office when did I feel suspicious of Hazel? I don't know. I feel like, like I said at our last meeting, you know, I was side eyeing both Nasal and Hella. I said Nasal and Hella. <laughs> <laughs> They're one and the same. I was side eyeing Hazel and Nella because I'm like, both of y'all bitches are weird. Uh-huh. Like, y'all are equally weird. This fake competition over mugs and boyfriends and shit. I don't know. Yeah. Um, when I first started to feel suspicious of her, I don't know. I, it was it was one point in the story where like she wh- she wanted to give like I, somebody said something that was either a microaggression or like low key racist, mm-hmm. and she tried to give like Hazel a side eye, and Hazel kept her face stone straight. <laughs> like I don't see. It. I think I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yes, and that's when you knew, like, Hayes was laying your ass, and I'm not your sister. Like, I'm not your sister right now. And it's just like, okay, if you could turn it on and off, like when you are my sis, and when you're not, that's when you knew Hazel was. She was weird. Um, I think what made her more likable to the people in the office is just she was getting along to get along. Like she was not. She was not real. Like she was. And she didn't want any confrontation. She mm-hmm. was kissing ass. Like, that's mm-hmm. what people like. Black, white, purple people. You know, people, unfortunately, I mean, it shouldn't be that way, but people get along with those who kiss their ass. So, mm-hmm. 
I agree. I um so if you listen to our first meeting <laughs> about this book, I felt suspicious of Hazel almost immediately. Like <laughs> <laughs> it was just like and and I didn't start feeling suspicious of Nella until like the halfway mark. But Hazel, for sure, when we were first introduced to her, I'm like, okay, I got to watch out for this girl. And then um, when they had the lunch, um, the lunch is what really like sent me over the edge with her. I was like, okay, this girl is a no. Mm -hmm. She uh, mentioned some stuff, personal stuff about Nella's life. Like she was letting it slip pretty much that they was doing recon on the girl. (laughs) Um, about like, didn't you come for money? And it's just like, this is like your first day here. How do you know that? Exactly. Um, so immediately with her and, um, like you said, um, she was likable because she went in there and she played a role. Like she played that office people role. Them office people love knowing your business. So she went in there and she chatted with them and she listened to their business and she gave her business about her boyfriend and his sister in the salon and, Nonprofit this and yada 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 and yes I have this for you. They love sharing their business and she played the game. <laughs> In real life, as soon as you start asking me so many personal questions, goodbye. Yeah. Why do you want to know? Why? Why do you want to know that? I always get is everything okay? Because you know we can't be quiet in the office setting. <laughs> <laughs> Is everything okay? I'm splendid. What's going on? (laughs) (laughs) This is my resting black bitch face. (laughs) Working. That's what we're here for, right? Exactly. (laughs) I love working from home and I don't turn my camera on. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So the next question, the code question to enter the resistance is (laughs) if an asteroid crashes into the earth and destroy all and destroys all black folk except one. Who do you say, Stacey Dash or Ben Carson? <laughs> <laughs> Why do you think the author chose Stacey and Ben specifically? Would they be considered OBGs? How would you answer the code question and why? Mm-hmm. Uh, Should I go first? <laughs> yeah, you want to answer that? <laughs> okay, so. We know clearly why she picked these two because these are the questionable black folk. <laughs> <laughs> these are the ones who just sold us out. Um, Stacy, she, I'm trying to figure out when she became her and Ben Carson actually when they became so political. Like when did that happen? Mm-hmm. And what's so sad to me about is I I really don't know too much about Stacey's ass besides Clueless. Like you know, I really didn't know too much about her. But Ben Carson, I actually read his book when we were in middle school. Yes, we had. To read. I was so it's happy about that. It hangs. I was so, and I'm just like, Ugh. like really, Ben. I mean, Trump really brought out the worst of the worst in people. So um, it says. Um, body, would you would they be considered OBGs? Yes, don't you think so? I thought Stacy had the cr- the crack in, in her scalp. <laughs> I think she was trying to sell it on her Instagram page, probably. Yes, they are part of the OBGs. <laughs> um, let's see, who would I pick? Hmm, 
I'm just going to go with, um, damn, I don't know. It's kind of hard because so what I was going to say is I would go with Ben Carson because at least he can save people's lives, right? But wouldn't you kind of want someone, oh gosh, it's going to sound so bad. Wouldn't you, <laughs> should I say it? Wouldn't you kind of want someone that's like not as smart and easy to manipulate so you can get them back? You get what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> is it bad to say I mean Stacy? I don't care how many Fox 5 interviews she has it still it still was an airhead to me I don't know about you still sound like an airhead to me I don't think you know video vixen turned actress I don't really know about that there so I don't know I always think of like oh twins running my family he can probably do the surgery if they can join <laughs> It's your turn. (laughs) So I would have, I mean, I don't know. I probably would have been like, what? Like, neither. Like, we all got to (laughs) go. But you got to pick one. If the the pro, look, if the pro-blacks got to die, the anti-blacks got to come too. Like, we all dying. Yes, nobody is saved. No, Yana, you have to pick one. Oh, my gosh. Yes, I had to pick one. Well, I would say Ben Carson for the same reason. I still dance the line. All right. He's intelligent. Like, he's a scientist. You will want a doctor. Yeah. Right? (laughs) That's it. That's the only thing. It's a matter of life and death. Like, I'm like, how how was he trying to take, like, housing away from people when he was in housing? Yes. (laughs) You grew up in housing. (sighs) At Greece. (laughs) <laughs> on that grease <laughs> okay so the next question is how do you feel about Nella and Owen's relationship mm. does he truly understand the microaggressions Nella experiences at work mm. do you think she feels guilt or insecurities about having a boyfriend who is white okay I think you know Nella date who you want that's who you feel you identify with. Um, mm. I mean, the same questions or I guess the same ideas that she already has anyway about her relationship is like one of those, hmm, you know, like thought yeah. like, okay, you, you, it, it just never happened for you. Like, just date who you want to date, but don't pretend that like, oh, he's just so different. Mm-hmm. And mm. I didn't have a chance to meet any other. I didn't go out enough. I didn't, you know, like, I mean, it's the same as people who feel like who people who are black and feel like they just cannot make black friends. Like, mm-hmm. what makes y'all think y'all are so different? Like, black people are not like me. Like, we come from so many different socioeconomic backgrounds. We have so many different hobbies. You can have a black person who likes anime and and poetry, or you can have a black person who is into sci-fi and battle rap. Like, right. So in this day and age, like stop pretending that you are just so closed off from your own people that you have no choice but to be around non-blacks or mm-hmm. into relationships with them. Mm-hmm. Um 
I don't think he could ever understand the microaggressions that Nella yeah. experiences at work. Um, I mean, he does seem supportive, but mm-hmm. um, I mean, I would hope so. That's like the bare minimum. Like you plan on spending your life with this person. Um, I was annoyed at how he was writing off her her thoughts about Hazel. Like, this is your girlfriend. You know her better than you know this complete stranger. Mm-hmm. I tell you, this bitch is <laughs> targeting me at work or she's doing little shady things. You need to be on my side. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wish they would have, I don't know, maybe this is another book where we need a sequel because I still have some unanswered questions. And I also, I do want to unpack what was that little tidbit with Owen and um, Hazel where he went over and was talking to her alone. Like, why are you talking to her alone? And you like women with locks. But then again, that could have just been her being super jealous. But Nella did say there was that point where they were in like a a Starbucks or something. He just could not take his eyes off the girl with the locks. Um, Yeah. And I'm interested to see if like he, is Owen still around when she has the, um. (laughs) That was exactly on my mind. (laughs) Because, you know, like, is he the type of white guy who I only want you if you're like a natural hair sister you know like yeah my fetish if you're (laughs) you wear your hair bone (laughs) yes you're no longer pro-black like uh, i don't like you anymore i want one of those kind of black girls um do i think she feels guilt or insecurities about having a boyfriend who's white um surface level insecurities i guess i don't think that it's like a deep down because again you could go if you really felt some type of way you can go find your black man like Mm -hmm. I feel you're more so embarrassed or ashamed because you know you probably don't want a black, you just don't want a black boyfriend and that's okay. But um, it's not definitely, I don't think it's any guilt. She's just a little embarrassed or ashamed that like she, she can't even admit to herself, this is what I want. Like if it wasn't this white boy, it would be another one and it will always be another one. So what about you, Nika? Hmm. So, I felt like for them to, Nella was the black girl for him. You get what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. that's how I felt about it. Um, she, that's what she likes. And I agree with you. Like, I just feel like there are certain microaggressions we that everyone will have that the other person in this other group is not going to understand. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. No one could ever fully understand unless they're in your shoes. Like, there's just going to be some stuff that they just don't understand, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't care how down Owen was trying to be. You know, it was still like he was questioning her. And like you said, it's like, if I'm your girlfriend, I'm telling you this is happening to me. I need you to ride for me. I need you to be here for me. Um, I don't think that she feels any guilt or any insecurities about it. I honestly thought she felt quite proud. <laughs> um, because when she mentioned like the, the type of neighborhood she lived in um, she figured that Hazel guessed that she was with a white guy because of the type of neighborhood that she lived in but Hazel knew because this Hazel just knew her whole damn background but she was just like oh, I wonder if Hazel's boyfriend is white too like I feel like she has a sense of pride about that mm-hmm. he's making excuses for Owen um, you know he's different he's not like the the uh, regular white guy or average white guy, he knows not to say this. And it's just like, girl, 
just like what you like and you don't got to put nothing, you know what I'm saying? You don't need to argue about why you like it. You don't need to give us proof and backings on why he's acceptable. Like, mm-hmm. just like what you like. I just feel like, I just feel like she's proud of that. I don't think she feels any type of insecurities or anything about that. Mm-hmm. So the next question was, Nella appears to be embarrassed by her inability to tie scarves and about not making black friends sooner or joining a black sorority in college. Why does Nella question her blackness? Do you think she's too hard on herself? Uh, you can answer that one first. Um, I felt like Nella never had a problem with it until she was confronted with it. She mm-hmm. was fine living her life with her fro stiff and dry. She didn't have a problem with tying scarves until Hazel got there and was tying scarves. And I still think it was a competition thing. Like now we know like that Hazel it has like at the end of the book, she switches sides and she with the OBGs. Like that's who she was. Just who she's meant to be all along. Mm-hmm. Like if she wanted to tie scarves at her age, I'm assuming that she's like around our age. Right. Exactly. If she wants to do that, she got, she was up on YouTube looking up Jesse Watson's videos. She could have looked up YouTube videos about how to tie a scarf. She could look up YouTube videos about how to comb her damn bush out, but she chose not to. <laughs> <laughs> she chose not to. And then like the whole, the whole theory of, you know, I tried to do that in college, but I just always stood, like I always stood out. I never could make black friends. That's on you. Right. You know, like it, that's just what you wanted to do. I went to a white school too. I still have black friends. Mm-hmm. So I don't, she's only hard on herself when she's comparing herself to Hazel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Malika is, a, you know, one of her friends that's not like, that's not, ha- that doesn't have the same personality as Nella, right? Yeah. And Malika has a little, a little bit more thoroughness to her, you know? Mm-hmm. And Malika didn't make you feel like, you needed to change any of these things. She did she make her question anything about it? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. Not until there was this competition thing with Hazel. Right. Yeah. And I agree. Like the reason she questions her blackness is because now that I'm not the only black person in this setting, mm-hmm. what is that? She questions it because it's like she was just fine with being the token black. Mm-hmm. So now you have another black person, and you now you're concerned with who's the blackest of us all. Like mm-hmm. it's like Hazel came in tying scarves, and I was like, "Well, I wanted to tie scarves too." Mm-hmm. Like, like at first, I was just this, just like how she said she she had a sense of pride when she thought about the fact that she's the only black girl. Like, oh, people must think you know, like I work ten times as hard because I'm I'm the lone black person in this this prestigious space and Mm -hmm. it's like now that there's another black person oh no let's say i'm the only black girl and my parents are well off is she 10 times better because she's black she's in the same position as me and her parents didn't make as much as mine or she came from a broken home Mm -hmm. it was like what does that mean for me should that should that mean because of the socioeconomic background i came from i should be doing even better than her it's all in relation to someone else right yeah Okay, so the last question um, is, in the novel, Diana and Kendra Ray posed for a 1980s magazine article titled, A New Era in Publishing. How has publishing changed since the 80s? 
consider the kinds of books that are published today. Are we currently in a new era of publishing? I think so. Because, I mean, just like the different genres that we have, like diverse authors and like, you don't, we didn't see that before. And I, like, I used to go to the library all the time when I was little with my mom. Like that was our thing. We go there for an hour, pick out our books. Mm-hmm. While she's still looking, I'll be reading or whatever. But when you would go look for the Black authors, we would mainly be in that fiction section mm-hmm. where we would have a lot of the hood novels. Mm-hmm. Even like, um, so in our area, we live in a pretty Black dominant area. And so even like the books displayed on the table were Nikki Turner, mm-hmm. um, you know, what's the guy named? Eric something, whatever. I don't know. But it was a whole Eric lot Jerome of Dickey. yeah. Mm-hmm. It was a whole lot of black authors. Those would be the ones focused. Those would be the ones they are they are displaying and advertising. And I just went to the library just a couple of days ago and got my library card. Mm-hmm. And it's different. Yes, the authors we see, the genres we even see. Like even though there were authors who were writing these different genres, like science fiction, like Octavia Butler, she's she was like in the eighties. It wasn't advertised like mm-hmm. that. I didn't know about, I didn't read her first book till like 2021. Like, you know, so it's, it is different and it's better. I think it's better now. I agree. I agree. Although we can't really speak for the 80s. Yeah. We weren't, we weren't born. born. We're not old We're young. Bitches. We're young. Yeah, we're not. Young and hot. Old bitches. <laughs> <laughs> no shade. No shade. We love our listeners who were born um, in the 80s and. In the 70s. Before. Yes. <laughs> 60s, 50s, come on, come come one, come all. <laughs> but I agree. And I feel like Black literature is more fun and it's allowed to be more fun now. Like mm-hmm. even when you think about some of the books we read when we were like preteens, mm-hmm. um, like do you remember the, was it the Blueford High series? Remember the Blueford, yeah. Blueford High series? Did you know, sidebar, that those were written by like white people? What I wait a minute. Know. Are we still talking about the same? Yes, let me Darcy see. and Hakeem, all those characters. Yes, the book, the gun, and when the grandmother passed away. Yes. These yes, the Blueford series. They and now who did the covers? <laughs> who did the covers? Who signed those? The authors were white. I feel like today that would not fly. No, that would not fly. Who's doing the sensitivity reads? Oh Hakeem. God. <laughs> how dare they oh my gosh and so when you even now like and, and books again like I said are allowed to be fun like if you think about it back then a lot of books that were like um advertised towards us like you know um the skin I'm in it's just mm-hmm. like it was it celebrated blackness but at the same time there was always like this Serious. Of trauma, yeah. yes, like had to be had some trauma tied in, like, mm-hmm. and now it's like okay, young black women can be fun, like mm-hmm. we could talk about them having natural hair in the book, and it does not have to be all about their natural mm-hmm. hair, you know, like it yeah. doesn't have to be helping them overcome a struggle of getting mm-hmm. through it. Like we accept that that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. That's not what all this is about. It's just a Here's description now. Fun, yeah, like, here are some fun stories. Um. Just like you said about like the urban books, mm-hmm. like you know, like the hustlers' wives and everything. We love them. We absolutely. But, but that was all they were mm-hmm. trying to show. Yep, yep. And now you know we're represented better, so representation matters, and mm-hmm. we we get better representation. Um, even with this book being a black publisher, like you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying, having a different position that yes. we usually not having. Like, so yes, 
I love it. I, we need to keep doing it. We do. We do. I love it. Um, I even read from other diverse perspectives too, like uh, um, RF Kwong. Mm-hmm. Um, I know like um, there is, I want to say she's uh, a Latina. She went to Maryland and she wrote a lot of good books. Okay. I can't remember her name, but like she writes different books from okay. different perspectives. Mm-hmm. So I'm, yeah. you know, I'm stepping yep. out there too because it yeah. is other, you know, diverse backgrounds that mm-hmm. we can read from and learn from too. And they're not just writing about their tropes either. Mm-hmm. And as minorities, just let us tell our own stories. Yeah, like, exactly. We can do that. We have beautiful stories. I cannot believe. <laughs> I was so shocked. <laughs> let's look up. Look, let's look up for our listeners. Like some of the authors. Let me see. Y'all some have to names. look up the covers of the Blueford High series. <laughs> yeah, this lady right here. She's she's. <laughs> <laughs> let's see one of. The- Paul Langan and, and Scrap. And we know what you are. <laughs> and okay. they don't try to put her picture. <laughs> we do have a black author. Let's see, Karen Langhorn Folan. So let's see what she's okay. Pretty ugly. Breaking point. Okay, so I guess we have some. I guess we have okay. <laughs> she has a book. Okay. Published in 2010 called Don't Bring Home a White Boy and Other Notions That Keep Black Women from Dating Out. That's interesting. I'm interested in reading that. Yeah, I, I might read that. <laughs> Listeners, <laughs> add that to the library. Okay. Add that to the Baddie Bookshelf. That's what we're going to call our books, mm-hmm. the Baddie Bookshelf. Oh my gosh. Yeah, add that. Add that. We, we want to read that. That's interesting. <laughs> Okay, Karen Langhorn Fogan. So she's one of the black <laughs> Buford authors, but a lot of and, and but I'm looking at the um Paul and Anne are not. <laughs> they are not. I'm looking at the books that she's written though, and they're not the more popular ones of the series that were back then. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe as time went on, they say, you guys, we probably need to get a black author yeah. over here. Like <laughs> people know, they know. Fire <laughs> around the time they start changing all Uncle Ben's rights and stuff. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, so those were our book club book club questions. Um please send us comments, write on the Instagram, tell us what you thought about the book. Mm-hmm. And let's get into what our next episode is gonna be about. Mm-hmm. The other black girl has a show, you guys, on Hulu. Hulu been doing a thing with the shows. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hulu and Peacock. Well, Hulu, Nika has told me, um, she's shown me how Hulu is picking up a lot of um, screen adaptations of books from black authors. Mm-hmm. Um, so shout out to Hulu for that. And then Peacock, I just like them for black stories as well, too. I don't... I, I can't really sound familiar with any that are from um, books, but just in general, black storytelling, like with the remake of um, Bel Air, mm-hmm. um, The Best Man, Final mm-hmm. Chapters. They're doing a great job. So kudos to them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so we're going to be talking about the show. And make sure y'all watch it so y'all can discuss it with us in the comments. Yeah. Bye, baddies. Bye. Until next time. Happy reading. Thank you for joining us for another meeting with My Baddie Can Read. We hope that you've enjoyed our conversation. 
Make sure you subscribe to keep reading with us. To keep the talk going outside of the library, make sure you follow us on Instagram at Baddies Can Read. And Twitter at My Baddie Can Read. We'd love your feedback on our book list and any suggestions you may have about future reads. Can't wait to chat again. Until next time, baddies.